The following Taisho by Shinge Roshi, Roko Sheri Shayat, was recorded at the Zen Center of Syracuse Hoenji in Syracuse, New York. These recordings are offered for free. We welcome your financial support. To contribute and for further information, please visit www.zencenterofsyracuse.org. Thank you. Hekigan Roku, Case 38, Fuketsu and the Dharma Seal. Engo's Introduction. When you adopt the gradual method, even though it falls short of the norm, you can merge with the way. In the midst of the bustling marketplace, up, down, and all around, you can enjoy unhindered movement. When you adopt the sudden method, you leave behind no trace. Even the Buddhas and ancestors cannot find you. How about when neither the gradual nor the sudden method is used. A single word is sufficient for the wise, like a single flick of the whip to a fine horse. At such a time, who can be the master? See the following. Main Subject Fuketsu took the high seat at the government headquarters and said, The Dharma seal of the ancestral teachers is like the workings of the iron ox. When the seal is removed, the impression remains. When it is left there, the impression does not appear. What if it is neither removed nor left there? Is it right to impress the seal or not? A senior monk, Rohi, came forward and said, I have the workings of the iron ox. I ask you not to impress the seal. Fuketsu said, I'm accustomed to fishing for whales in the great oceans. I regret to find instead a little frog crawling about in the mud. Rohi hesitated, searching for reply. Fuketsu shouted, Why don't you go on with what you were saying? Rohi faltered. Fuketsu hit him with his whisk. Do you remember the topic? Fuketsu asked. Try to recite it. Rohi began to open his mouth. Fuketsu struck him again. The governor said, The law of Buddhism is the same as the law of kings. 
Ketsu asked, What principle do you see? The governor said, When you don't stop what should be stopped, you invite trouble. Fuketsu descended from the seat. Secho's verse. Catching Rohi, he puts him on the iron ox. The spear and armor of Rinzai's three profundities are never easily opposed. The tidal waters that run by the castle of the king of Chu have had their flow reversed with one shout. I asked Nikyu to give a talk during this session. Actually, he thought I had asked him to give a talk last session, but then he saw that my name was on the sheet for both talks. So, fall session winter session yesterday at last. Neither of us really knows anything about anything, especially dates. It was worth waiting for this old raccoon. (laughs) Last year, with my being at Daibosatsu Zendo so often and feeling great concern for abandoning my beloved Sangha at Hoenji for a week or two at a time, I asked Nikyu and several others to form Tisarana Council, a council of elders in Buddha Dharma Sangha to help support me and encourage the Sangha. And they have done this very well. And I asked Nikyu to give several Sunday talks also during this past year and heard good reports. I've known him since the early 70s. He was a founder of Hoenji before it was known as Hoenji. Hoenji. 
So I've decided to increase his role here. This April at Daibusatsu Zendo, April Holy Days session, March 30th through April 6th, we'll have a ceremony in which I will authorize him as a Dharma teacher. And as such, he will continue to give talks and serve as an elder brother to Hoenji students. It's not transmission, but rather acknowledgement of what he already is. And as such, I know he will continue to be inconspicuous bodhisattva for us all. Also in April, at Hoenji's spring session, It is my intention to do ordination for Jisho, who has been resident at Hoenji and will continue training here and as much as she can at Daibosatsu. So April will be a very important month for us. This Jukai session all of us are looking seeing areas where we may feel blocked or bound by habitual conditioned reactions, old habits. to be able to see more clearly in the context of even three-day session is not always such a pleasant thing. We get more than we bargain for. But bravely, no hesitation, bravely facing what comes up. We can find renewed vitality 
where before a session we may have felt just exhausted. depressed. I can take up the challenge and discover that we have what it takes to be the master of our life. Delving into the six paramitas, the first dana, giving ourselves completely to this the second, all of us are examining the precepts together. We are living the precepts together. Shila. Third, Kashanti. Practicing patience. Patient forbearance. Even when our limbs are cut away piece by piece by the Raja of Kalinga. You may not have encountered him yet, but you will. (laughs) And fourth, virya, determination, vital energy, Jhana, sitting, sitting open, open-heartedly to everything, within, without. And sixth, prajna, our birthright true birthright, this prajna, wisdom. But to sit together with these six paramitas and ten precepts of the second perfection, paramita, with a warm heart, with a heart of forgiveness. This is the underlying perfection of perfections. Forgiveness for self and so-called others. Self is other. We come to see that. 
forgiveness arises naturally the more we sit the softer what we thought were our edges becomes and out of this forgiveness comes true compassion We may think that it's hard. We may look at the precepts and think, how can I? But remember, just as the six paramitas are held in the perfection of forgiveness, we are all held. We are all being held. When in the dedication, it ends something asking for the Buddhas and Bodhisattvas and ancestral teachers to guide, protect, encourage us. Don't hesitate to ask, all right? At every moment, ask. We are not alone. Some of you may remember, this is maybe arcane, maybe only a few of you ever heard Justin Hines and the Dominoes. How many? (laughs) Just as I feared. (laughs) Oh, guide and protect I from this bitterest condition. Also my enemies and my friends across the waters. No? You don't remember? Oh, ja. Well, all we have is tea. (laughs) Where is that spliff? (laughs) Finally. Hmm. So, to be able to Ask what is being freely given. Very important when you feel despair. It's all here. Fuketsu and the Dharma seal. Fuketsu Ensho. 
lived from 896 to 973, and he was Rinzai's great-grandson in the Dharma. Some of you may remember Fuketsu from another case. Ri and B. Speech and silence are both faulty. How do we come to oneness? How do we avoid falling into the duality of speech and silence? Fuketsu was successor of Nanin Egyo Zenji, and it's through Fuketsu and his Dharma heir, Shuzan Shonen, that we receive Rinzai's lineage. We chant in the evening, Teidai Denpo, Rinzai Gigen Zenji, Koke Sonsho Zenji, Nanin Egyo Zenji, Fuketsu Ensho Zenji, Shuzan Shonen Zenji, etc. He started out studying the Confucian classics and decided to take an examination to become a public official. But he failed. And this failure changed his life. We may think in our own lives of some failure that completely reversed what we thought, completely put us on a new path. How could we have known? Something goes wrong. We think, oh, I didn't do well. I'll never be able to do anything with my life. Despair. But this is the chance for new direction. For our natural creativity to come forth, blossom. With failure, we have to give up our idea of what we think our lives are all about. The map that we constructed. doesn't take us where we think we have to go. doesn't work. So when we give up our idea about what we're supposed to do, then what? Then we can allow it We can say, okay, I'll do my utmost. Even though I don't understand what's being called for, 
Have you ever been in that situation? Just clueless. But instead of running away from it, say, okay, I'm ready. Then the Dharma's real work can occur. So being a failure at Confucian civil service, Fuketsu turned to Buddhism. Somehow, somehow, he began to investigate what the Buddha taught. We say, somehow, somehow, in this winter session, we have this particular group of people, somehow, eight people have decided to become Jukai students. Somehow, our lives brought us here at this time. And we couldn't have imagined. Maybe at some point we thought to be an official in the Confucian government. But here we are. This failure to achieve what he thought he needed to do, failure is so important for our path. All of you, I'm sure, know the story of Master Kyogen, Kyogen's Man Up a Tree, is uh, case five in the Momonkan. And he, too, experienced great failure with Isan. Isan demanded, what is your true self before you came out of your mother's womb. Again and again, Kyogen found himself unable to respond. And finally, in total dejection, he went off, tail between his legs, and became the gravekeeper for the national teacher, Echu. Somehow, he landed there. Somehow, he was raking one day. Somehow, the rake hit a pebble. Somehow, the pebble hit a stalk of bamboo. And somehow, he had great realization. 
great laughter and great gratitude to his teacher for not helping him. So Fuketsu began his Buddhist studies at first in Tendai sect and then at the age of 25 in Zen. His first teacher was Kyosei, Seppo's disciple. Kyosei of the sound of the raindrops. And then with Nanin and When he had gone to Nanin's place, one day he was working as a gardener. Nanin came up to him and said, Tell me, how do they bargain for the staff in the south? Now imagine you're gardening and somebody comes up to you and says, How do they bargain for the staff where you come from? Or maybe you don't understand what is he talking about? This staff? What is it? Bargaining for the staff? In other words, how do they arrive at true mastery in your part of the world? Fuketsu said, they make a special bargain. How do they bargain for it here, teacher? Nanin raised his staff and said, Under the staff, acceptance of birthlessness. Facing the situation without deferring to the teacher. At these words, Fuketsu had great realization. As we heard yesterday, without deferring to the emperor, without deferring to Bodhidharma, our first ancestor of Zen, just Facing the situation, no knowing, no birth and death, and no end to birth and death. The acceptance radical acceptance of birthlessness. So today's case starts with an introduction by Engo about the gradual versus the sudden method in Zen. And Engo says, when you adopt the gradual method, 
even though it falls short of the norm, you can merge with the way in the midst of the bustling marketplace, up, down, and all around, you can enjoy unhindered movement. And Hakuin comments about the gradual method, saying, Expedient teachings, seeking above while teaching below. This is truly being a bodhisattva receiving wisdom and offering it. These expedient teachings, Hakuin says, are for dealing with those of middling and lesser faculties. You can decide yourselves. (laughs) Even though it falls short of the norm this gradual method. To be used for those who cannot get it directly, who need some upaya, some skillful means, some pointers on the way. Perhaps a few of us, huh? Need that? What about this norm? What is the norm? This norm is none other than it. For those who cannot get it directly, even though it falls short of the norm, even though the gradual method falls short of the norm, the norm, we all have it. It's not something paranormal or supranormal or abnormal. It's just this as it is one radiance ordinary mind is the norm we think we have to go and find Extraordinary mind. So, even though there may be some dependence on the teacher, some deference, as Nanin said, without deferring, even though there may be some need for skillful means, even though the method falls short, it can become it. It is already it. 
gradual method itself is it. Then, through this gradual method, we can enjoy unhindered movement. Hakuin says, up, down, and all around, untrammeled and free, with all sorts of methods to respond to the potentialities of those with middling and lesser faculties. Sekida, who put together two Zen classics, speaks about the gradual method. He says it may happen that a person has a good conceptual understanding of Zen and a long experience of samadhi, but has not undergone the experience of realization. He or she is in a delicate condition. Sometimes his or her attainment is superior to a person who has had an insecurely based kensho. So we'll get to that in a moment. When the readiness of time allows some trigger to bring forth the intuitive mind, this sudden, gradual method, what is it? disappeared. No such thing as method. But if I ask you, are you content to have 30 more years of struggling or would you rather have the sudden realization right here, right now, what would you say? 30 more years or sudden realization? (laughs) It's a great Zen saying. 30 more years. Sudden realization, 30 more years. Both ways. You got it, you didn't get it, 30 more years. Wonderful. But we do tend to want it now. We want it to be instantaneous, not gradual. But as Sekida points out, when we haven't cultivated the ground of our being, there can be some questionable breakthrough. The plant that emerges may have a very shallow root. And is easily dispersed. Disrupted from the soil. 
What if we really prepare the ground? What if we're just content to be a gardener of our Zen life, raking pebbles and digging deep, tilling the soil, planting the seeds. It's really what we're doing, isn't it? Sitting here, doing zazen day in, day out, coming to session. Listening to talks, going to doksan. And then a sprout appears. And we nurture it, watering it when it's dry, exposing it to the warm sunlight of the radiance of the norm. And the taproot goes down. At Daibosatsu Zen, though, we have a man named Chu-san who is 80 years old. He came a few years ago after his wife died and he wanted her to be buried in a Buddhist ceremony in a cemetery at Daibosatsu Zendo. And so he was asked, well, when will the cremation be? He said, no cremation. It's too hot. She doesn't want cremation. Well, we've never buried a body at Daibosatsu Zendo Sangha Meadow. No. It has to be. Okay. So Kyusan's wife's body is now lying in the ground in one state or another of cool (laughs) decomposition. And after this, he stayed around. Kyusan has become the gardener at Daibusasu Zendo. Many years ago, in 1974, we started a large garden. And over time, it was neglected. And suddenly, Kyusan appeared. His wife went into the ground. He made a garden. Not in the same place. And he grows wonderful things for all of us. 80 years old, working harder than any of the young residents. Any weather. The ground is frozen. He goes through seed catalogs, makes sure the fences will be strong enough to keep off the bears and the porcupines and the woodchucks and the deer and everything else. 
And as the saying goes, when useless things do not clutter the mind, every season is a good season for Kusan. Nothing keeps him from tilling and working the soil. So here we all are, giving ourselves to this cultivating, this process of cultivating, pulling weeds, spreading the shit, mulching, and then all the time feeling this natural yearning to grow. That's what brings us here. We yearn for the Dharma. We yearn to abandon the useless clutter in the mind. And gradually ripening in the sunlight Ah, Tadipa. And if we keep sincerely practicing, giving up all our ideas about achieving something, attaining something, all the spiritual materialism all the methods, finding the right formula, anything we can come up with that we think will be preferable to what we are, where we are. If we just sit, 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 Just breath. Pay no heed to anything extraneous around us. No distractions can bother us. Then, when the time is ready, when ripeness has occurred. The slightest breeze, fruit drops, sound of a pebble, mind open. Then he says, when you adopt the sudden method, you leave behind no trace. The heart sutra, no form, no feeling, no thought, no consciousness. Not even the subtlest shadings. Extinguished. 
beyond words and phrases. Genuine realization. At such a time, neither speech nor silence, gradual, sudden, no gap. We know the saying, when I first began practicing, mountains were mountains, rivers were rivers. With samadhi, mountains, not mountains, rivers, not rivers. Now at last, mountains are mountains, rivers are rivers. So this main subject, Fuketsu took the high seat. The governor at that headquarters issue was his student and often would ask him to come and give Teisho at the headquarters. He said, the Dharma seal of the ancestral teachers is like the workings of the iron ox. This seal, this dharma seal of transmission, authenticating transmission, going back all the way to Shakyamuni Buddha, who transmitted to Magashapa, and Bodhidharmas, transmission outside the scriptures, directly pointing mind. So this seal is very important in our tradition to authenticate awakening for a teacher to say, yes, this precious acknowledgement formally and publicly made to avoid self-proclaimed holders of Kensho. There are so many self-proclaimed teachers. So Fuketsu is comparing the workings of awakened mind to this iron ox, this huge iron statue that was constructed in ancient times by Emperor Yu to commemorate a gigantic dam that was built along the Yellow River to prevent flooding. And this 
statue of the ox's head was in Honan province, and the tail was on the opposite bank in Hopei province. That's how huge this iron ox statue was. It was considered a guardian deity to prevent flooding, which had been so repeatedly disastrous. So the dam was the pragmatic aspect. The iron ox was the symbolic aspect. And so he uses this as an image for the Dharma seal of transmission. And he says, when the seal is removed, the impression remains. When it is left there, the impression does not appear. When you use a chop, you pick it up, there's a seal. You see the stamp. The activity of Zen can be seen in this. This is the letting go, the functioning of the awakened mind. Giving a teaching, helping a student to understand, giving some pointers. But of course, there's danger in that, as we've seen. There are some traces left, can be easily conceptualized and misunderstood and become some new rigid habit formation. When the seal is removed, transmission is acknowledged, this is all the gradual method. What is gradual? Grade, right? This is to show the grade. Yes, you've made the grade. At this moment, at a certain point, of course, this is never finished. But at some important turning, we can say, all right, we give the stamp of approval. Some public pronouncement is made. You are Dharma teacher. You are my Dharma heir. You are in the lineage. But when the seal is not removed, when it's left there, the impression does not appear. Nothing can be seen. This is holding fast. Nothing gradual about this. Giving away nothing. Deprivation. Annihilation. Mumon, in that other case of Puketsu's speech in silence, in his verse, says, Before speaking, it is already revealed. Before we take it up, before we lift a finger, already revealed. But what the seal connotes cannot be shown. How can we impress? How can we make an impression? 
It's like cutting healthy skin, as the saying goes. Once you speak, it can become a trap. So then Fuketsu asks, is it right to impress the seal or not? Fundamentally, is it necessary? If true understanding is there, how can it be a matter of making some official proclamation? Just expedience. Well, he asks the group in front of him, is it right? If it is neither removed nor left there, is it right to impress the seal or not? And this senior monk comes forth. Rohi takes the bait. He dares. He says, he has Zen mind. He has no need for approval. He has no need for anything from Fuketsu. He is fundamentally Buddha. What more need we seek? Well, it's wonderful that he comes forth, isn't it? And of course, Fuketsu wants to see, is this for real? Or is it posturing? So he says something quite derogatory to see how Rohi will respond. What's he say? I'm accustomed to fishing for whales in the great oceans. I regret to find instead a little frog crawling about in the mud. Is Rohi's willingness to come forth courage or overconfidence or is he putting something on? Now this is really important for us. It may be that he came forward with some degree of arrogance or mm, pride in his understanding whatever it might have been. But the point is, he was willing to put himself out there. And sure enough, Fuketsu discovered his lack of understanding because after saying that rather derogatory remark, what happened? He hesitated. Yes, he hesitated. Rohi hesitated, searching for a reply. How many of us have been in that situation? <laughs> ah. Searching for, what should I say? Mm. Yeah, definitely. We, I'm sure, all of us have felt that way, trying, maybe we don't quite get it, but we want to appear as though we do get it. And so we think, okay, that's a good answer. Maybe put on a good face, not 
realizing that our natural face is the best face. Is it real or is it cosmetic? And how do we find out? By daring. By putting ourselves out there. So many students are overly cautious. I understand it's because you are so sensitive. And you're so careful not to overstep the bounds you've come to identify as correct behavior. So tactful. Can you dare to come forth? This is Doksan. And Doksan is not just in the Doksan room. If you think, I can't possibly have the right understanding, I don't have the worthiness, then of course there's this tentative feeling and don't want to be found lacking. This is risky. But this is also reminding you That risk is a very important part of our practice. You know the expression, grab the bull by the horns. And of course, nobody wants to be gored. (laughs) But you have to. This is the bull of enlightenment. Okay? You may say, oh, where's my ox? (laughs) Oh, I don't even see a trace. Grab it! Rinzai Roku is full of examples of people throwing themselves in the ring and getting beat up. (laughs) So, for example, Kamben, chapter... The master asked a monk, where are you from? The monk shouted. He didn't say, I'm from New Hampshire. (laughs) The monk shouted. The master signaled him to sit down. The monk was going to speak. The master hit him. Seeing another monk coming, the master raised his whisk. The monk bowed. The master hit him. Still another monk came. The master raised his whisk. The monk ignored it. The master hit him, too. And mm, many, many other such. (laughs) Wonderful examples of monks seemingly getting bested, or none, too, 
even believe it or not. And we think, oh, they were hit. They lost. That's bad to be hit. But then what are we missing? If we think that way, what are we missing? Yeah? We're missing the intimacy. The intimacy between teacher and student. We think, well, I like the teacher to what? Admire my sincere practice. (laughs) Tell me how kind I am. And how hard I'm working. Hmm. Instead, she says, no merit. (laughs) No merit. Toksan said, 30 blows if you can speak. 30 if you cannot. True intimacy. Can you see? This is... Our invitation to be brave, no matter what the outcome may be, to meet whatever challenges our lives bring us. Not to step aside, but to be right there, stepping out of our comfort zone, risking everything. So this guy, Rohi, he was willing, but then he couldn't go the next round. He's in real trouble. He's standing there. He's thinking. He's hesitating. And the moment is gone. Nothing can be reclaimed. So then what? Puketsu shouted, Why don't you go on with what you were saying? What was he saying? I have the workings of the iron ox. I ask you not to impress the seal. Rinzai's, why don't you go on with it? Do you remember the topic? Do you even remember what was being said? Was there something about an iron ox? Could you recite what we were talking about? Rohi began to open his mouth. Lukatsu struck him again. And that's the end of that Dharma battle. So, of course, it is a disgrace for Rohi. Rinzai has asked him about the workings of his iron ox that he says he has and cannot bring them forth. So then the governor says, the law of Buddhism is the same as the law of kings. And Fuketsu checks him out and says, what principle do you see? And the governor replies, when you don't stop what should be stopped, you invite trouble. whether it's Buddhist law or civil law 
or university law or Zendo law. Yeah. If we don't stop ignorance in its tracks, it takes over. And before we know it, the Tea Party is running the country. <laughs> tea Party. <laughs> Secho's verse. Catching Rohi, he puts him on the iron ox pushes him to ride that ox, to finally be that ox, to really awaken, know how to function. Hakuin says, mounting him on the iron ox to enable him to attain great living freedom. The spear and armor of Rinzai's three profundities are never easily opposed. This is, of course, Rinzai as Fuketsu's great-grandfather, thoroughly alive in this koan. In chapter 9 of Ascending the High Seat, a monk asked, what is the first phrase? The master said, when the threefold vital seal, this is the iron ox, when the threefold vital seal is impressed on the paper, the red mark stands out clearly. This is this koan, all right? The workings. Before you begin your Dharma debate, guest and host are distinguished. We know who is guest. We know who is host. We see Fuketsu as host, Rohi as guest. We see governor as host, Fuketsu as guest of honor, and we see True Dharma, I as host and iron ox and expedient means as guest. The monk asked, what is the second phrase? The master replied, how could Manjushri's subtle wisdom allow Mojaku's question? This is a reference to case 35 of Hekigan Roku, front three by three, back three by three, in which Manjushri is asking Mujaku how Buddhism is being maintained in the self, a leading question. And Mujaku then turns around and asks Manjushri, oh, how's it being maintained where you are? It being maintained where you are. So, even using expedient means, this is what this is referring to. How could expedient means conflict with the cutting through activity of essential wisdom? Manjushri's cutting through activity of essential wisdom. There is no conflict. Teaching, gradual, sudden, all-pervading wisdom. Then the monk asked, what is the third phrase? Look at the puppet show. 
the puppets are completely controlled by the puppet master. Who is the puppet master? Who is pulling your strings? Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage. All the men and women merely players. Is the master in? Rinzai further said, each phrase must contain three vital gates and each gate must have three essentials. There are expedient means and there are natural activities. How do you guys understand this? He then descended from the seat. And Secho's verse ends, the tidal waters that run by the castle of the king of Chu, these tidal waters that all return to the source. Even if Rohi doesn't realize it, he cannot be any place but in the ocean of Dharma. We are in this ocean. The tidal waters have had their flow reversed with one shout. This is the power the vitality of Rinzai Zen, that each of us is here to testify to. Height. 